0: Now, like I say, I'm kind of not one for big, flowery speeches at an anniversary. Because I'm not sure exactly what this church has done. you know what I mean? A lot of things that we can point to and say, we're a fantastic church. But one of the things that we have focused on, is the Word of God. And the reason for it is in our text today, in our usual study in First Peter, and I thought, should I do something different and kind of anniversary, kind of, and I go, I, I don't think so. I think the message is right here. And so I didn't make this one up. It's right here. Now, the title for it, as usual, John asks me before we live stream, and he goes, what's the title? And I go, and so I decided to call it, Your Dad Wants You to Grow Up. Okay? Now, here's a common mistake that Christians make. is to depend upon themselves to follow Jesus. We think, okay, Jesus saved me, that's good, and now I gotta produce. I I have to keep myself. I gotta follow him, I I gotta prove that I'm worthy. And we have this feeling in the back of our minds that I'm on probation. So if I don't do good, I might get fired. I mean fired. (laughs) So our focus shifts from Jesus to ourselves. And we put all the pressure on me. I depend on me because that's what I've done all my life. Is I gotta produce. And now we bring that into our relationship with Jesus and say, I gotta produce here. Now, when we depend on ourselves, we fail to follow Jesus. When we depend upon ourselves, we fail to follow Jesus. It's inevitable. Have you noticed? Have you failed? Lately? Don't answer that. You know you have. And you know why. Because you're depending upon yourself. So, the Apostle Paul asks the Galatians a really pertinent question. He says Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected in the flesh? See, the Galatians had that problem too. A good start, but then it's kind of not going so good. So here's something that Peter wants to tell people who have begun in Jesus. You begin your life in Christ by receiving the word of God. And the way you grow and develop is by receiving the Word of God. That's how you start, and that's how you keep going. And receiving the Word of God is going to transform your life. Only the Word of God is able to change your essential nature, so that you end up like Jesus. Now that's what I'm reading about here in 1 Peter 1, from verse 22. We're going to get the context here. Here's what it says. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again not of corruptible seed but of incorruptible through the word of god which lives and abides forever because all flesh is as grass and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass the grass withers and its flower falls away but the word of the lord endures forever now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious." Now, what Peter is telling us here is that there's been a big change in your life. You have become different. You have passed from death to life because you used to be polluted, thinking only of yourself, dead in your sins. And he says, you purified your soul. And we looked at that the pollution is taken away. And the proof of this is that you lay down your lives for one another. You esteem one another better than yourselves. You love one another. And John says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 14, he says, We know that we have passed out of death into life Because we love the brethren. He who does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. And so Peter is saying, The very fact that you love one another proves that you have changed your nature. And being born again is the most important thing that can ever happen to you because when you're born again, you change your essential nature. Now that's a big deal nowadays. This is center focus worldwide, this idea of I'm going to change myself. I'm going to be what I want to be. And usually it's something else. Don't you think that's interesting? All of this gender fluidity is saying, I'm not right as I am. And I'm going to make myself right. And it's on a profound scale. I was born a man but I should be a woman. That will be right when I just go over there and become a woman. Now, there are surgeries and hormonal therapies and things you can do. And you can grow your hair. And you can use lipstick. In fact, you can use a lot of makeup And wear the right clothing and have a really good photographer and take the pictures. And guess what? You look at the picture kind of superficially and you say, oh, it's a woman. It's a pretty woman. Then you look again and you say, wait a minute. That's a guy. That's a guy who evidently really, 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 really wants to be a woman. But guess what? He's still a guy. He's had the surgeries, the hormones, the makeup, the clothing, the whole bit, but guess what? He's got a trillion cells in his body. And every one of those trillion cells say he's a guy. And so this person has not changed their essential nature. All this person has done is outward, superficial. You might as well say, I want to be a horse. And get inside a horse costume and pretend you have four legs. Does that make you a horse? See? You have to actually change the DNA in every one of your trillion cells to change your gender. And anything beyond that, less than that, you haven't done a thing. All you've done is fussed around with the outside. All right? Nobody can change their nature. It's impossible. Jesus told a religious leader, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. And in order for flesh to become spirit, something has to happen that is profound. Flesh is not going to get to be spirit somehow by some operations and some makeup And changing clothes. Like, I got my ACDC t-shirt, and now I stick a new t-shirt on that says, praise the Lord anyway. Have I changed my nature? Something else has got to happen. Now, the flesh is the natural man, born without the Spirit, separated from God, Dead in sins. Dead. Now, Peter shows us what the flesh is like. Look in verse 24. All flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man is the flower of the grass. So, you know, grass, sometimes it's growing great, and sometimes it's brown. And you know about flowers. We have a camellia bush in the backyard and it seems to me that as soon as the flowers pop out, they're wilted. I mean, they're like insta-brown. They got fabulous reds and pinks and then just like that. So you have to look quickly at my camellia bush or else it just looks kind of gross. And that's flesh, temporary very wilty, weak, not enduring. Look in chapter 2, verse 1. All malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking. That's the flesh. Paul talks about this in Titus 3 3. For we also once were foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived. Enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another. That's grass. That's flesh. That's what it means to be born a normal human being, normal being relative. The flesh is not about love and benefiting others. It's about selfishness. It's about resenting others doing better than me. It's about deceiving myself and deceiving others and trying to look good and covering up the bad stuff that I'm doing. Because I don't like people to find out about the bad stuff that I'm doing. It makes me look bad. So I wanna look good While I'm doing bad stuff. Now, the flesh is not something that anybody can change ever. And the proof of this, historic, is Israel, God's own people, that he chose himself. And you think about this they have a perfect God, perfect laws. Perfect sacrifices. That is a good start. But listen to this from Jeremiah 17. The sin of Judah is written down with an iron stylus. With a diamond point, it is engraved upon the tablet of their heart and on the horns of their altars. As they remember their children... So they remember their altars and their asherim by green trees on the high hills. You see, it's like they took stone and they chiseled on it all of their sins. And their idolatrous altars are as dear to them as their children. And these are God's people. You can find inscriptions made thousands of years ago that are still readable today because that's the nature of this. Once you hammer it in with your iron stylus and a diamond tip and a rock-hard substance, it's not erasable. Jeremiah 13 says, Can the Ethiopian change his skin or the leopard his spots? then you also can do good who are accustomed to doing evil. And this is the problem. You can't take an Ethiopian and a bucket of green paint and say, hold still. Now you're green. Because that's going to wash off. You can't change your skin color like that. And don't try to paint a leopard green. At least chain them up before you try. Otherwise, it's, hold still, kitty, nice kitty. (laughs) See, not going to work. You know, all the spots in a leopard are produced by the DNA. It's not a spot. It's all these little color of hairs that just change, and then you've got your spots. I mean, anything as superficial as paint is superficial. All right, now this is the problem with Israel, and we can see it historically. Perfect God, perfect laws, perfect sacrifices, and still, God says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they did not continue in my covenant, and I disregarded them. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days. I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. None of them shall teach his neighbor and none his brothers, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. So you know what? God's solution is not to give 47 more commandments That his people are not going to obey. Because they didn't obey the 613 he already gave them. Right? Nobody can. God says, I'm going to start over. A new creation. A new nature. A new heart. That's all that's included in this. And so being born again is the only thing that matters. It's not, are you religious? Do you do good? Do you do more good things than the bad things so it all evens out in the end? Jesus said, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Hi, folks. We're glad you could make it. Come on in. Sit down. You're welcome. Well done. All right. Good. Remember, we always throw latecomers into the baptismal font first. (laughs) Just kidding. We're glad you're here, folks. So... Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. In other words, this is the only thing that matters. So the question is, is have you been born again of the Holy Spirit, born of the word of God? See, you're born again when you receive the word of God like a seed. There are Bibles back there, and we're in 1 Peter chapter 1. If you folks want to tune in, they're right behind you on the shelf. And Tiago is going to help you. And let me apologize, by the way. This is a bad habit of mine. I blow people's minds on our first introduction. And I'm really sorry. I'm glad you folks are here, okay? I'll go in first, All right. <laughs> And this, <laughs> it's also our 20th anniversary, so we're, we're a little bit frisky today. All right, now look at this. He says in verse 23, you've been born again of incorruptible seed. And when you're born again, it's like receiving a seed. A seed is alive, right? It has a little tiny plant in there. And all you do is, You take the seed and you push it into some dirt, cover it over, maybe water a little bit, you're done. It germinates and it grows. And you notice nothing happened to the dirt. The dirt's the same, but there's a new life in the dirt that comes up. And that new life is not dirt. It's a plant. It's alive. Whereas the dirt is not alive. All right? Now, that's how we're born again. Here we are in the flesh that was born, flesh, separated from God, dead, hateful and hating. You know, that's how God made man at the very beginning. He scooped up a bunch of dirt. Did some things, breathed in the breath of life, man became a living being. But we are made physically of dirt. Now you take the word of God, which is a seed, and you push it into the dirt, and guess what? It germinates. And it grows with a new life. The dirt is just the same as it ever was. But there's a new life that's happening. Now, it's not quite as simple as you take a seed, slam it in the dirt, and boom, it grows. Because with us, we're kind of closed. We're like dirt that's been walked on a lot. And you throw a seed there, and it kind of goes bounce, 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 bounce. And then a bird comes along and eats it, and that's it. So something's got to happen to that dirt first. And what happens is you get plowed. The word of God actually breaks up that hard ground. And a seed can go in. But there's another problem. There's rocks. There are hard little things that won't budge. So the seed goes in there and no place for the roots to grow. That's no good. Got to get the rocks out. Those things that won't budge have to go. There's a third problem, and that is, maybe the rocks are gone, but then there's weeds and thorns. And that chokes up the good stuff, so all the weeds gotta go. Once you've broken up the ground, gotten rid of the immovable things, and get rid of all the competition, then you got a chance for that to grow. And that's what's happened to us. God made us receptive. God made room for that word of the gospel to come in, and now there's something going on. It's growing. That's fabulous. But then Peter changes the metaphor from you know farming to raising a baby. Notice that? Chapter 2, verse 2. As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word. Okay, now, instead of thinking of a seedling, you've got to think of the needs of a baby. And the baby is alive. It's been born. It's on its own. It's living separately from mom. Now, it needs to grow and develop. That's the biggest need a baby has, because it's all there in potential, but it has to grow and develop. You can't give a baby a briefcase and a cigar and say, go out there and get a job. (laughs) Thank you. That was a joke. Well, it's been a couple of days around here. So you're gonna to have to pull your weight just like everybody else. Well, they're gonna have to see you go out there and do something. Baby goes, gub. In fact, you know what that baby's gonna say? Right in, back into your face. You get me some milk, and I want it right now. No fooling. I don't care how you get it. Just get it. See, you can't hold a reasonable talk with a baby. Have you noticed? I drove in a car for a half an hour with a baby that wanted milk. And my milk hadn't come in yet. So, there's nothing I could do for this baby. And this baby looked at me and let go with this scream that could shatter my glasses. And I was helpless. Because there's only one thing that is going to satisfy that baby. Milk. See? Why is that? Well, mother's milk. It's perfect. And it's complete. It promotes growth. I mean, that's what the baby needs and wants. And a baby is going to grow and develop with that milk. And it's a complete food for that stage of the baby's development. Now, at a certain point, you got to encourage the baby to get off mother's milk and to get onto solid food because that's the next step in its development. And if you don't get that baby onto solid food, you're going to have problems. Okay? Now, this is a perfect metaphor for the development of a Christian to maturity. It's all based on the word of God. You start by receiving that word into your heart. At a certain point, you trust in Jesus. You say, he died for my sins. And a work has begun. You're born again with the new nature, the nature of Christ himself. Now, Jesus is living and imperishable and enduring. He is your life. And you feed that new nature with what is imperishable and living and enduring. Everything else now is dead and temporary. And perishable. You know what perishable is? Perishable is you go to your bread box and you pull out something that's supposed to be brown, and it's not brown, it's green. It perished. (laughs) So it goes to the perishing bin. Or you go to the refrigerator, you pull out the milk. (laughs) (laughs) Whoa! Perished. It goes to the bin. See? See? It's good for a while, but then it goes bad. And when it goes bad, it goes awful. It goes rotten, poo-tinky. Well, no other book, no other teaching, no other philosophy is gonna give you what is living, imperishable, and enduring. There's only one book, and the Bible is it. There is no substitute in your life for the Bible. Period. Now, the Word of God is like milk, in that you can drink it, and it's sweet. And it is everything that you need as a newborn to develop. That is, the Bible tells you about how much God loves you. That he would give his only son in your place. And you have to think about the love of God. That's not hard. God loves me more than I can understand. God loves me forever. In fact, he loved me before he made the world. So, he loves me. And... I get to know about the forgiveness of my sins no matter what. Okay, I I can get that. And I can drink that all day long. Now the word of God is also solid food. The difference between milk and solid food is that solid food demands certain things like teeth. Babies only got gums. But When you got your teeth in, then you can chew it up and swill it around in your mouth for a while. But then you need a digestive system that can handle this. That's why you can't give solid food to a baby. You'll kill them. But at a certain point, then you have to start introducing solid foods and maybe baby doesn't want that. Just spit it right out. That's okay, try it again, kid. This is on the menu or else. Get me? And you keep working with until you find something that kid wants to eat. You go, yeah, you're going to get this. Keep eating. And you work at it, and, and kid develops. And this is what you want. Now, the Word of God is also solid food. And it makes demands upon you that you need to respond to. You know, you don't put demands on a baby. You just love that baby. And you change its diapers. Because you love that baby. But then, when a kid starts growing up, then you make demands on them. Why? Because you want them to grow up. Dad, wants you to grow up that's why you still don't reason with them you never let a kid know they're in control that's parenting 101 <sighs> we in control but you got to make demands on a kid to teach them the right way to go you make demands on them and it's good for them okay The Word of God will make demands on you, and it's important because you need to respond to them. Challenging. But that's how you grow. Because you need to begin to deny yourself. And you need to think about others and quit thinking about yourself. You need to depend upon God to give you what you need and not depend on anybody else and not depend on yourself. This is the demand that the Word of God puts on you. And as you do this, you're going to grow up. So notice, you begin by receiving the Word of God and you grow and develop by receiving the Word of God. It gives life. It develops life. It matures you and it brings fruit. So, what we want to notice, and especially on our 20th anniversary, is that your Father in Heaven wants you to grow up. Because you're created immature and undeveloped. It's just part of the plan of God. I don't know why He did it this way. Why don't we just pop out ready to go? Give me my cigar and my briefcase. I'm gonna go earn some money now. Doesn't work like that. You gotta develop and grow. And in the growing up, what you're gonna do then is learn to think about others and in so doing, you're gonna bear fruit. Now, this is the plan of God for your life. This is why there is such a thing as a fruit tree. They exist to give to others. The fruit is not for the tree. The tree doesn't go. Ah, oh, that's good. You see, a tree photosynthesizes all day long. A tree is dependent upon heaven for its nutrition. Isn't that great? So the fruit is for everybody else, and the tree is not going to lose anything by blowing all of it out. Here, there's more where that came from. Because the tree gets everything it needs from heaven. That's what God is making each one of us into. And when you grow up, Your dad wants you to be a significant person. No father wants to see his children living badly, not developing, not being able to take care of themselves, not being able to benefit others. But a a parent always enjoys seeing his children be able to take care of themselves and take care of somebody else. Because you know what? You're going to, if everything works out right, you grow up and you get married. And guess what? Now you're taking care of somebody else. You have a family. Now you're taking care of them. And if everything works out right, you're going to grow up and bless the world. So you learn to love. Love is always significant. Love is worthy of praise. That's why your father wants you to grow up. Now, if you don't grow up, there's something wrong, and you won't live a normal life. So, your father in heaven wants you to live life well. So then, you got to realize that your Father in Heaven knows that in order to grow up, you need help. No cultivated plant grows on its own. And so it needs a farmer to help it to grow. It's not going to get there on a, in its own, in this world, because everything is fallen and the only thing that grows by itself is weeds and if you want to see that look out back because my wife planted intentionally nice plants and she's helping them grow and one of the ways she's helping them grow is get rid of the weeds and she cleared them all out and they're all back and in order for her plants to survive she has to combat those weeds. They're not going to make it on their own. And so God gives farmers to plants and he gives parents to a kid. And he is the father in heaven. And he is the best parent, period. So in that respect, you are going to grow up. Guaranteed. Signed, God. He gives himself his own spirit, to be with us, to teach us. And then he gives us his word. Now, God's spirit caused that word to be written. So some people want to make a division somehow between the spirit and the word. Like, the spirit is all this life and happening. And over here in, this, in the word, it's kind of like... <laughs> dead or in a doornail. That's not right. That's not biblical. The Holy Spirit uses the living, imperishable, enduring Word of God to transform you. And He uses His Word to transform us from being childish to being mature. From being self-centered and hateful To thinking about God and thinking about everybody else. That's where we're headed. Now growing up is difficult. It is very difficult. It is painful. I know this by experience. I had a hard time growing up. I was well content to be a kid for the rest of my life. And everything I liked was pretty kid-like. Rock music and comic books. Now you gotta be careful here because rock music took over the world and so did comic books. Billion dollar industries built on comic books. But you know, none of that stuff is gonna survive. Impressive as it is, it's all going to be ashes. <laughs> it's not going to last past this world. It's difficult to put away childish things, to say, you know what, I'm not going to read comic books anymore. Painful. And we might think, well, you know what, I don't want to grow up. It's too much. I don't want to handle the responsibility. I I, I don't want to do this. The answer to that is yes, you're right. It is painful and difficult and maybe even impossible to do on your own. That's why you got to have help. And Peter says, look at verse 2 again. He says, Desire the pure milk of the word. That's really the important thing here. Long for it. Desire it. See, what you need is heart. Not necessarily strength. That desire is going to lead to you being satisfied and built up in the Lord. Now, He says in verse 3, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. And again, it's this food metaphor. Have you ever tried a new food and found that it was phenomenal, but you sort of had to make a leap and stick it in your mouth? I was in Japan in a house, and... They were cooking something in, a, in a, a, a round iron skillet under a gas jet, and they threw in all sorts of stuff, and then they gave us these little bowls. And they showed me that you took a raw egg and cracked the egg into the bowl and then whipped it up with your chopsticks. Okay. And then you dip into the boiling pot, take up whatever's there, and stick it in your raw egg, and then you eat it. Okay. And you know what I was thinking was, they shall eat any deadly thing, and it won't hurt them. Oh, God, may your word be true this day. So today, I am a man... Oh my goodness! That was a two-egg night for me because I ate so much that I used up my egg. And I go, "Can I have some more egg?" <laughs> I didn't even know how to ask in Japanese. I go, oh. and they laughed at me and gave me another egg. And I kept parking out on this. It was unbelievable. All that to say, did you taste of the Lord? Have you tasted it? Have you you eaten that word of the Lord and found out that it is really good? Did you do that? I'm not trying to be cute here. Do you remember a time when you read the scriptures and it blew your mind and you thought, oh my goodness, for me? I remember times like that. So I tasted that the Lord was good. And I thought, I need this. I want this. This is how I'm going to know God. So I gave myself to that. Now, you know, if you have tasted that, then you should want more. I mean, there is nothing like it. Now, if there is something like it, in your opinion, go after that. Okay? Don't lie to yourself. But if you have tasted that sweetness of God, then what in the world is going to substitute for that? See? And if it's that good, then you say to yourself, you know what, I want that. If you don't have that desire, why don't you ask God for it? And just say, God, give me a hunger for this. Because right now, I don't have a hunger for it. And what would happen if God started talking to you through his word to the point where it just blew your mind? And gave you confidence. And gave you hope. So that you're not afraid. So that you have stability and you can take all the hard shots in life and you're not wiped out because you know that God is with you and he's gonna work it all out for good. You know this. See, that's what keeps me coming back and making it a discipline in my life even if I don't feel a tingle when I sit down in front of the Bible. Sometimes when I sit down in front, I go conk right out. I don't do that with a comic book. For some reason, comic books don't put me out, but the Bible puts me right out. Sometimes I have to read standing up so I don't fall asleep. But there's something about this book that gives life. And I never read a comic book that gave me life, nor The Lord of the Rings, or anything else out there. So. See if God won't give you a hunger for the word. Now, you know, you can avoid this word, and you don't have to grow up. Does everybody hear my voice? You don't have to grow up. You can stay a kid for the rest of your life. Okay? This isn't pressure. This isn't your dad coming in and saying, come on, grow up, get with it, kick, You don't have to grow up. You can be a believer in Jesus and not grow up. Because you can be a believer in Jesus for decades and still be immature. And a lot of Christians do it. Here's the problem with not growing up you're never going to be free from sin. You're you're going to be sinning and you can't stop it, and you're going to be miserable. You're not going to have peace or joy. And you won't do anything useful because you can't be used by God because you're not developed to the point where He can use you. So you're going to be fruitless and it's going to drive you nuts. You're going to be frustrated. And you won't resist the devil. He's going to run you over. And again, it's going to just drive you to despair. You're not going to overcome the world, and you won't really know God. So, you can stay immature if you want. It's immature to think me and depend on me. So your father really wants you to grow up. It's mature to think God and depend on God. That's where your dad wants to bring you. And the only place to learn about that is the Bible. And all we gotta do is keep receiving from the Bible. And you say, well, wait a minute, I I haven't stopped sinning. And I say, yet. You haven't stopped sinning yet, but you're going to. Because as this is sown into your life, it's going to take over. The life of God growing, and the more you sow all of those seeds in you, there's going to be this harvest And it will transform your life. See, the real struggle is not, oh, I got to be perfect and I got to quit sinning and I got to do this and I got to do that. No. It's fill your life with the Word of God and depend upon Him to do it. He will do it. That's how it works. Let's pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father that you have created us and you've also made a way for us to be born again so that we're saved, sharing the life of Christ. Thank you for that. Thank you that you don't leave us on our own like orphans, but you are our Father in heaven. Thank you that you've given us something pure, eternal, imperishable, so that we grow and develop. That's what we want. And I would pray for all of us that you would help each one of us to take stock of where we're at and to say, will you please write your word on my heart? Help me to know it. All of your promises all the times where you point out this is wrong. This is what you need to do to fix it. Please make us like Christ. And we trust that you're going to do that because that's what you said you're going to do. So work in each one of us and be glorified in us. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.